aim at earth and you get nothing. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Remember where we are or get on board with us. We're in the third week of a sermon series titled Living Above the Sun. That is uh, in direct contradiction to the invitation of the author of Ecclesiastes, an Old Testament book that says there's nothing new and there's nothing worth living for under the sun. Tried everything under the sun and it's all a waste of time. Remember those words looking through his lens of life's reality. Utter futility. Utter futility, he says in the first chapter. All is futile. Or as Eugene Peterson has it, smoke. Life is nothing but smoke. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. What we're hearing of and realizing that we too have thought perhaps this way at times in our lives or sitting here now and saying that's kind of where I am because is the inability sometimes for us to make sense of the world around us, to see a purposefulness, a coherent pattern, a plan to our lives that God has given us, movement towards some lasting goal, a line of growth, development, progress. And yet we're tempted to slide into this life under the sun. I hated everything the author writes of this book. I hated everything under the sun. What does a person gain from all his labor as w at which he toils under the sun? Well, we've been all, uh, Tyler and John and Gary and I are all trying to um, bring our own thoughts to this as you perhaps apply your thoughts to it. But remember when we began, I offered that there, there are three false premises that this author uh, has given us living under the sun, that life is circular, that it's just like the cat chasing his tail. We're just going round and round. Life is circular. Um, and so there's no progression and there's no destination. How depressing. And secondly, that life is finite, terminal, that the only thing that's really clear is you're going to die. That's all there is. So eat, drink, and be merry. Be good if you want to be good. Be bad if you want to be bad. It just doesn't matter for anything. And thirdly, that life is unfair because whether you're good or bad, rewarding, the rewarding of good behavior doesn't necessarily happen. And the punishing of bad behavior doesn't necessarily happen. So be good or be bad. Suit your taste. That brings us to today. Time Under the Sun is the title of today's portion of this series. And um, it seems that for a moment, because remember, this is wisdom literature in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so it, sometimes the wisdom literature itself here kind of even contradicts itself at times. And we're hearing about things under the sun. It's as if the author of Ecclesiastes found a poem uh, about time because uh, it's written out as a poem. It's, it's, it's a poem in Hebrew, and it, even in our modern-day translation, it shows up like a poem to say, this is something that perhaps was taken and put in here. And it says almost as if this fell to see above the sun where we are inviting all of us to live. Rather than living under the sun with time, where time would be random, time would be irrelevant, and time is not useful in any way for us. Time above the sun looks differently, and it's why this particular passage, I think, actually um, 
uh, enlivens and stirs hope in our lives, that there's a rhythm to life and there is a give and a take and there's a, there's a season for things. And so when we're in a darker season, we realize, well, that's part of the rhythm of life and remember how this concludes when he says all these wonderful backs and forths of the time uh, image. He then says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So what I'd like to offer in this living above the sun, time above the sun, is a, uh, a um, endorsement of Ecclesiastes itself. We hear there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. It's true, and it's okay. A time to plant and a time to uproot. It's true, and it's okay. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down. It's true. A time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, go on so forth, a time to dance. Well, here, here's an attempt and an offering because I think this is intellectually challenging for all of us, me for sure and perhaps for you too. But let me offer three ideas about time that we receive here, three ideas about this wonderful rhythm that seems to have a purposefulness about it and seems to have a, a destination and progression wrapped up in it somehow. And first of all, to say that there is a time for everything. There is a time, a right time for everything. It says that there is purposefulness, intentionality, and there is direction for this stage season of my life. That's why the faithful person living above the sun will say, for example, from Psalm 118, whether you know it from that psalm or not, you'll say, well, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This particular place in time, this 24-hour window, is the day the Lord has made. And he's put me in it because I'm between birth, uh, my birth and my death. This is the day. Let us rejoice, be glad. That also gives some hint and encouragement where there is a time for everything, the warp and woof of life to be invited to live in the today and not to live in the past and not to live in the future. To live in the past is to be stuck in the past and to be sickened ultimately by being stuck in a rut there. Or to live in the future is usually simply to become anxious about the future, about what might be that may, may never come to be and that we're worrying about something that will never happen and yet we're worrying and, and worrying and worrying. We hear that from the gospel today. Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about all this. So first, the thought, there is a time for everything. God is good. God is over time. And there's a time in our lives for everything. So it's okay. And secondly, a thought about living above the sun. There is time for everything. Remove the article A. There is time for everything. Everything that is of value and importance and worth to God and for those who are followers of the Lord, there is time for everything. That's in contrast to living the, uh, under the sun without rising above it. 
where we say there's not enough time in my day. Why aren't there 28 hours instead of 24 hours? I need one more day of the week. I don't have time for you right now. I'm out of time. All these images of oppression, really, and despair and desperation. And yet the truth of the matter is, see, is that there is truly time for everything. Just the right amount of God-given time to do what needs to be done, no more and no less. You may think you didn't finish it, you ran out of time, and God is thinking, that's as far as I want you to take this because someone else is going to pick this up and carry it forward. So we have two images of this time for everything. One is kairos, that wonderful Greek word for time, which is not about chronological time. It's about significant moments of time in our lives. We just come from an alpha overnight at Camp St. Chris for 24 hours, which was kairos time, a time of significant opportunity, potentiality, genuine encounter with the power of the Lord through his Holy Spirit, encountering God's people, kairos time in that 24-hour uh, moment, a bit of time. So kairos time, those, those significant moments are so valuable for us to weigh and enjoy and participate in. But let me tell you, chronos time is also important, essential for those who live above the sun. Chronos time is not only quality, but it's adding quantity to it. I'm always saddened with the father or the mother who has their family time with their children or their spouse programmed into their business schedule. And so they, they've got it figured out. I've got 45 minutes for, for son Tommy, and that's it. And, uh, and, and usually it's shorter than that. I've got 10 minutes for son Tommy. And when the 10 minutes are up, I've given him my full attention for 10 minutes. I you know, get a little feather in my, in my cap, and I, and I move on. And uh, the idea of quality time is sometimes we simply need to have um, be liberal with our time. We're not doing this or the iPhone and worried about. We're simply saying, I'll give you all the time you want, Tommy. What do you want to talk about? My daughter, my son, my spouse, my wife or husband. So keep in mind that living above the sun and time above the sun is about kairos and chronos because there is time for everything that really matters above the sun. So time, a time for everything, there is time for everything above the sun. And finally, timing is everything. Uh, you know that as well as I, that uh, yes, what you do is important of value, but it's not merely what you do, it's when you do it. If you snap the ball, since we're in football season, and the lineman, lineman three seconds before that has uh, launched off the line to, uh, to block the, the rusher, his timing, no matter how good a block it was, there's a flag th thrown because his timing was bad. Timing is everything. And this passage, there's a time for everything under the sun, a time for this and a time for that, a time for, for now and a time for then. It reminds us that uh, now is the time I need to be doing this, perhaps grieving for the loss of a loved one, the season of one's life. And so this is the time to do it. I don't want to ignore this. Uh, this is important. This is timing right now. I need to do this. So 
just keep that in mind. And then with that backdrop, a time for everything, time for everything, timing is everything. Remember how this passage concludes. He, the Lord, God Almighty, has made everything beautiful in his time. Thank you. The second half of that verse, he is also, and I would put also in all caps, just to kind of get the sense of this, set eternity in the hearts of men. I think there's an essential clue there about how we live above the sun because most of what you hear in Ecclesiastes living under the sun is there is not eternity. It's the finite terminal world that ends with death. And somehow there's this wonderful, brilliant moment of, of light being shed on the top of he has also set eternity in your heart. In other words, it seems to me what he's saying is that there is a, intu- a natural intuition that you and I have that there's more to life than meets the eye. Let me show you something on the screen. Look at this maze. I have some really bad news for you about this maze. If you imagine that's your life, that maze, and you enter at one point with your birth, There is no way out of this maze. It's a defective maze. You're going to run into walls every way you turn. You're not ever going to get out of this maze. What are you going to say about your life lived in this maze? I think you're going to say meaningless, utterly meaningless. I've just gone in circles, round and round. I've gone left. I've gone right. I've gone straight. I get blocked every time. Life is utterly meaningless. Ruthless and meaningless, make me angry. Why did God put me here? Well, that's the author of Ecclesiastes. And as the author of Ecclesiastes, putting myself in his shoes, I just told you an outright lie. There is a way out of this maze. If you can get yourself above the sun you realize that there is a way out. You may enter this maze and you turn left and you hit a wall, but you know there's a way out. And so you turn around and you may go in another direction and you hit another wall. You're not discouraged. You say, okay, I know two ways that it's not, which is the right way. And you make your way down another corridor and you get much further than the first two times and you realize, okay, I'm on the right track now. You might hit another wall, It doesn't matter. You know there's a way out, and you're going to find it. And when you find it, you're going to have succeeded. You will have arrived at your destination, and as you come out of the maze, there may be a standing ovation. That's the way to persevere. That's the way to use your head. But most important of all, that's the way to trust and believe that there was a way out. Because there is. And even before you knew that, you knew it. Before you knew how, you knew it. That is the key to this whole story of life on earth. That the author of Ecclesiastes most of the time is not able to see. That you and I have the privilege, if we will lift our eyes so that we can move to live above the sun, to see, no, there's more to the story. It's not circular and finite and uh, 
unfair. No, there's a, there is progression, and there is something further beyond, and there is reward for those who persevere. Well, what have I just described to you in a tangible way? Faith, trust. You go into this maze in trust, you're going to be refined. doesn't matter how many walls you hit, you believe. In spite of all evidence to the contrary, you know, because perhaps before you enter that maze, you were told there is a way out. The Lord Jesus tells you there is a way out. You say, okay, I believe you. Thank you, Lord. So think about, for example, the passage from Hebrews where this is all brought to a dramatic uh, crescendo of emphasis. The 11th chapter of Hebrews. Now faith, trust, is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, for being sure of what they hoped for and certain of what which did not see. Paul will write in his letter to the Corinthian church, we live by faith. We do. That's it. If you have it, you're great. And if you don't have it, you're in the Ecclesiastes shoes. We live by faith, Paul writes in Corinthians, not by sight. So in this chapter, which is well worth reading from time to time, just to have your own faith strengthened and encouraged, Think of how that proceeds. All these people go through this whole list of illustrations and examples of faithful people. And he'll continue, and this gets further into it, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. So even their death was not a point of hopelessness and loss and say, what was life about? No, at, at their death, even though they were still living by faith, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. That this maze is not my ultimate home, and that life under the sun is not where life is truly meant to be lived. Aim at earth and you'll get nothing. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in is the gospel today. Verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they're longing for a better country because they know it's out there, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Wow. So we leap always forward through this chapter to verse 32. So what more shall I say, this author writes? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. These are men anointed and women anointed in the power of the Spirit, doing great things for God. And so it builds to this wonderful crescendo even further in verse 39. These all were commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Not here under the sun, but above the sun, 
God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I don't know about you. I want to have the kind of trust that a person can have about that marriage and have that kind of trust in God and in his son, the Lord Jesus, and in the power of his spirit. Can we just leap for a moment over to the Gospel of Matthew and see how this might apply? Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, the sixth chapter, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Because you know the way I was made. Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you are going to put on. And he says, oh, you of little faith. So why are you worrying about what you're going to eat and drink and wear? He said, others seek after these things, but the Lord knows you need these. And then he says, reprioritize your life. Move from under the sunlight living to above the sun living. And there he, sa he says it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you as well. John Stott, the wonderful commentator, Christian author, um, offers these thoughts on this passage. And he says, the, he says this, he says, The Lord is urging his followers not to be preoccupied with their own security, food, drink, and clothing. He says that is the obsession of the Gentiles, those who live under the sun, in other words, who do not know the Lord. And then Stott says, instead, be preoccupied with God's rule and God's righteousness. Jesus is telling us, he goes on, that to become engrossed in material comforts is a false preoccupation living under the sun. See, it is unproductive, it is unnecessary, because you know the maze, especially it is unworthy. It betrays a false view of human beings and of human life. Brothers and sisters, will you let your faith, whatever size it is, be further awakened and magnified to simply say, in spite of any evidence to the contrary that's going on in your life now, say, but I know God is true. Jesus is Lord, and that he is available for me to help me through this. Will you let your faith be magnified? Will you rise above all this that the world offers us as temptation and live above the sun, knowing that when you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you as well? So then, brothers and sisters, will you trust Jesus? who was the one who said today in today's gospel for us, seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness for your life. And knowing that all other things will be well before you. The maze has a way out and God is in charge. Let your faith be your guide.